0: Are you looking for a better way to play player props or daily fantasy sports? Well, look no further than Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the leading over-under daily fantasy game. Why? Because it's so easy to use and win. You can make your picks in under 30 seconds and win up to 10 times your money in one day. Right now, we have a special offer for our viewers and listeners of A Heart Tell Podcast. All you got to do is sign up now and use the promo code BACKPACK. Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. That's right. They'll match your first deposit up to $100. So, join the over 150,000 others who found a better way to play. Download the Prize Picks app today. to Tell Podcast, episode 208. Dexter Henry, Brian five second here. Sure. Got a lot to talk to you about in the world of sports and music, particularly hip-hop. Well, that's not the right show that I put up there Uh for a second. I put up Follow the NBA Exchange. That is not this show. This is the A Tell Podcast. But follow the NBA Exchange. Well, you should follow that NBA Exchange. <laughs> nothing, 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 nothing wrong with that there. Um, How you doing, Brian? We are getting uh further into 2022 and definitely the time you should not be saying happy new year to anybody um uh, glad people stopped that uh how you
1: doing i gotta say yo I, I feel accomplished i helped dr dre get his phone back this week in the in the new gta gta online story you know what i mean and you're rolling your eyes but yo i gotta tell you anderson pack is there he's in not, the game not,
0: not enough to get me to ever care about gta
1: they make not a enough. song together you're in a studio with them you're you listen to the whole studio session they play it out after you secure his phone or whatever like it's great. I, I appreciate Dr. Dre's
0: participation.
1: It's a lot of unreleased music that's in the game.
0: I, I have heard I will say this and on a hip hop note. I have heard the songs from the game with Dre and Path, this one with Snoop in here. And they are really good. Bangers, I I was, I,
1: that I, was I was yoking motherfuckers up to some Dr. Dre in that game, um, yo. Other players, not citizens. Other players. Because they annoy me. Like, yo, me and my boy Brandon, shout out to Brandon, we're running around, we're trying to get this money, do these missions or whatever for Franklin and company and shit. And these other players want to just get these tanks and start blowing us up for no fucking reason. So it's like, all right, we got to go to war now. So you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, let's go to the office. I'm going to jump off the roof. We're going to land over here. We're going to fucking, you know... Pelter these motherfuckers over here. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, we got. You realize,
0: you realize this is one of these conversations. Like, if somebody comes in not knowing the context, like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? What are you talking about?
1: We have a routine. We have a routine. Like, you ever seen like how you know different players, like <laughs> Russell Westbrook and Cameron Payne, had their little handshake before games, and you know, Eudanas Haslam lifts up Bam Adebayo, who jumps as high as he could before games and stuff. Like, everybody has their pregame routine. Kevin Garnett would headbutt the stanchion or whatever the fuck. What me and Brandon do before a mission is I go to the agency. He goes to the ground floor, gets a car. I jump off the roof with a parachute and he tries to catch me in the vehicle. And then we go on our way. So sometimes that happens and it works out. Other times somebody disturbs it and we got to go yoke him up. And usually we're more successful than we're not. Because I don't play that shit.
0: I'd like to know about the times when he tries to catch you Uh, from the parachute off the roof, and you miss the car. Like, I want to see what happens when that happens.
1: Oh, that's happened, but, like, you know, I just land on the ground, roll, and keep it moving. I'm a very good parachute lander. You know what I mean? I'm a very good parachute lander. Oh,
0: Jesus Christ. Oh, man, I almost wish Gerard was here in this conversation. Oh, he better... Yo, Gerard,
1: you better listen to these first three minutes, because we're not cutting out any of this.
0: (laughs) No, 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 unfortunately, we're not. Uh, GTA Online is probably the uh, worst thing that's happened to Brian because now he just has more time to uh, get violence and revenge on people that try to foil his plans. Oh, so, look, Call of just, Online is worse. Yo, just for my just for my curiosity, because I yes. don't know and I have not played any GTA Online. Is this is a uh, this is just like open? Anybody can come in and play? Kind it's of too thing. open. Okay. Honestly.
1: It's too open. Like and the problem is and the reason why I got off of it for a while, I'm I'm back into it a little bit now because of the Dr. Dre shit. There's like just more things to do. I have an agency. I have a business to run. I have an agency in a nightclub. I have businesses to run to take care of, safes in the wall, people dancing. Chop is fat and high now. You know what I'm saying? Like we have things to take care of. But the thing is, when it comes to you know, just the online experience. It could be aggravating sometimes. People have flying cars and flying bicycles now and a lot of planes and shit. What? See, but okay. I keep the rocket launcher on me. Man, you know what man. I'm saying? Just it's in okay. case
0: anybody want to go crazy. Okay. Flying cars. Flying bicycles. Yeah. <laughs> I was out on this before, but now I'm really out. It's a no for me. <laughs> like, absolutely
1: no for Yeah, me. Yeah, Rockstar did a little bit too much, but you know. A little? I mean, the, 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 the... <laughs> Look, we're 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 coming up on nine years since this game launched, and it doesn't look like a GTA Six is coming out anytime soon. I I think the Splitter Cell remake might come out first. And listen to me, listen to me. There we go. The Splitter Cell remake, you know, three years maybe. I don't know. But when that comes out, mm, oh my god, woo! Holy uh, shit! Listen, I listen. can't wait can't to
0: really spend five minutes talking about freaking gta online what what, if they
1: bring back spies versus mercs for splinter i was i was one of the best i'm not even kidding you in blacklist i was one of the top 100 something players in the world in 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 spies versus mercs you know what i'm saying so if i could reach that level again during the early pandemic the early portion of the quarantine i got an xbox Live subscription just to tap in and play or whatever it took me a minute to get my old self but i eventually got it it's also why I'm scared to play basketball again in real life in person right
0: now. Nah, man, it's the same thing. You got to realize that this happens in video games, happens in sports. As you get older, you just can't move in the same way you used to with kids. You can't do it. You're not being these 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds online that have more time than you do to put in the game. That's what made you so good when you were young. You the time to put in the game. Yeah. When you get older, you realize you don't got the time. And here's the thing. As an older, still video game player, not playing GTA Online, I understand I'm not competing with the kids. I'm trying to compete with the kids anymore. Well we're, we're good. I'm not trying he, to compete with kids.
1: Here's the thing though. Like in two K online, I be smacking people sometimes. More often no, than not. No, here's like, the
0: thing. My two K game is still nice. I can give people buckets. But I don't even play like that anymore. I ain't got the time. I just like it's literally time. It's not that I couldn't. I just don't have the time. Yeah. Like so I'm just like I put my time into a season and I'm good with that. That's you know, Maybe I have time to play a game at night. This is what happens when you get older. I just got a PS5 last week. I probably turned it on maybe three or four times. That's not
1: bad for a week. Including
0: one night, doesn't it? I turned it on. I was texting you that night, actually. I was texting you. I was trying to make the recent mix trade in it, and I and I had it on in 2K. And I was like, yo, I'm too tired to do this. <laughs> I can't do this right now. I was like, I'm going right to bed. I will say something we had talked about on this podcast. And I told you this, I do feel like the PS5 next gen version of 2K plays much better than the PS4 version. Hopefully, um, you
1: can get to the foul line because shit, into the foul line is It's funny, for this
0: 2K. it's funny you say that. I've played a couple games and I do feel like you can get to the foul line a little bit better. You still need to play it in some of the settings, but I do feel like you get better and you get contact is called more, or you're absorbing contact, or it's a little tougher to finish, which I'm fine with. Yeah, I'm fine uh, with that. I'm fine with that.
1: But, but I don't, think- I, I, I don't, I, I can't complete an entire game and have four free throw attempts using the Miami Heat. Yeah. because with Jimmy Butler, you know what I'm doing. I'm getting to
0: the rim. All yeah, right, that, I'm, I'm trying to think, man. When I was playing on the PS4 version, because I got the cross-gen platform version, I think uh, maybe the most I got to the line of the game was like maybe nine, and that happened once. You know what I'm saying? That's what I'm like, saying. Like, it, it doesn't happen a lot. I know that was one of your beefs with it. I think we talked about it in the podcast. We talked we about did. this. All
1: and time. two years like, ago, I was able to get to the line at will. And I'm not even... I'm the person who likes physicality and things like that. But I'm just saying, like, yeah. if I'm attacking the rim the entire game pretty much
0: and only getting to the free throw line a couple of times, then the game is broke. Yeah, you know what I, I'm saying? I, I, I do feel... I almost want you... I almost feel like when you get a PS5, you play... I think you'll feel the difference. It feels different. It does play better than it does, I think, on the PS4, which just tells me they're just not putting as much work into the previous generation. Yeah, they're yeah, just focused on As they the used to focus on the next generation. Which I'll is, be
1: in PS5 yeah. life in six months or so. I'll be there.
0: You might. I'm, you never know. You know, I mean, you never know. If you look out for the emails. If you're a PS Plus member, subscriber. I am, yeah. Yeah, they give you emails or invitations sometimes. So check it out and get a chance to get it. I got one. I was lucky to get it. I got a little earlier than I planned to. Um, but yeah, good one. All right, let's talk some actual stuff. Talking yeah. video games too fucking much. Uh, yo, your boy, man. Your Who's boy, my boy, Novak Djokovic. Oh, he ain't We're talking about tennis. <laughs> we we, we, have, we haven't talked tennis that much since the homie Michelle you uh, was on here, and I haven't even messaged her about this. But uh, <laughs> Novak Djokovic.
1: I mean, we probably know how she feels about this.
0: Oh yeah, I don't think I can. <laughs> uh, but Novak Djokovic is he had a final bid to avoid deportation and play in Australian Open. Uh, despite being a vaccinated, which is the whole thing against COVID-19, that ended Sunday when a court unanimously dismissed the number one ranked tennis player's challenge of government's minister's decision to cancel his visa. So with all this going on, for people to understand, right, to break it down, Djokovic is getting ready for the Australian Open. He's going to head to Australia. He gets to Australia. Australian officials, I believe it was, I'm going to double check on this, I don't remember who it was, it was the minister. I don't remember who exactly it was. But Australian official base, he said uh, they were going to cancel his visa and that he could not play, in, uh, play in, in the open because he was not vaccinated. The rules were to play in the open and say you're vaccinated. Now, if anybody knows anything about Australia and how they've been handling things with COVID, let's just say, and this is being nice, Brian, It ain't like here in the United States, okay? Nope. It's not like here in the United States. They don't play. What Australia saw was last month in December, they relaxed some of their restrictions. And what happened with the Omicron variant? Numbers started going up like crazy. So, because of that, because it seems like Australia cares a lot about their public health and trying to eradicate this, and you should also add New Zealand has some of the same laws in effect, they were like, yo, we're going to be strict on this. We're going to... Watch who's coming into the country, crossing our borders. You got to be vaccinated. You can't come up in here unvaccinated. We're not having that, which I think if you watch watch the podcast, you know Brian and I would support. I actually think it's kind of ridiculous that in a way it's actually safer to travel internationally than it is to travel domestically. In in this country, that is ridiculous. Like you can actually get on a flight and not be vaccinated and not have to have proof of a PCR test, and I can fly. From New York to LA, but I have to provide a negative PCR test to fly. Literally the same distance from New York to London. That makes no sense. It literally makes no sense. It's yeah, absolutely stupid. That's another story for another day. Djokovic, he knew what the rules are. Australian Open rules. Rules in Australia. Got to be vaccinated to play. Blah, blah blah blah. I think there's some argument, Brian, that you can say, okay, Australia didn't have to make this. Uh, a big display or show they could have told him this yo you're not going to come to the country because they kind of let him fly there and then they shut him down now the other part of this that i think cannot be ignored is yokovich is a known anti-vaxxer not only is he a known anti-vaxxer we've seen him while now at events up in clubs up at functions no masks even this is at the height of the pandemic. We are still in the pandemic. It's at the height of the pandemic, right? Doing this, all, all this stuff. Basically not having a regard for other people's health. Then, as part of the story, he had COVID uh, sometime in the last few months. And on some documentation he was supposed to provide, he he checked, no, that he didn't have it. And then said it was an error in judgment. And his agent did it, a publicist or whatever, and blah, 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 blah. let's just keep it I'm just keeping it blunt. Yoković has been an asshole on this. Terms of public he's been an asshole. Okay? Now he's out of Australian Open. This became a whole show for the last couple of weeks. He's out. He won't pay, play. He won't be able to go for his 21st grand slam to break the tie with federer and Nadal. Are you feeling bad, Ryan, for your man? Nobody No, you know that I'm
1: not. Yeah, I don't <laughs> even need to let you finish the question. You know that I'm not. Like,
0: <laughs> you know that
1: I, I mean. You know, I, people will criticize how Australia has handled this and how tennis Australia has skated on this. I know Howard Bryan has been tweeting about how they've uh, sort of bungled this from their end, even. But at the end of the day, for me, like, yeah, Novak Djokovic, Novak Djokovic has been dick uh, basically during this pandemic because it relates to this and is very in your face about not needing, co- not needing COVID vaccinations and just, you know, downplaying the virus and things of that nature that we've seen, as you've alluded to. I also want to say, In terms of Australia, I remember, like, while we were in, I don't know, first wave, second wave, the end of 2020, whatever you sort of, uh, you know, take that as in terms of waves. I remember, like, around then or early 2021, probably early 2021, when uh, the NBL in Australia, basketball league, professional basketball league, and they were coming back, I remember their arenas were, like, pretty full because they they were having, like, barely any cases in all of Australia and New Zealand, et cetera, et cetera, because they mitigated the virus so well initially. Um, and one of the only places to do that. So yeah, they're taking this very seriously and they were able to have like arenas full. And you know now they're they're sort of like us, like we're sort of seesawing it because we don't know what to necessarily do. They're just doing a better job of it because we're all over the fucking place over here. But no, I don't think Novak Djokovic should have been allowed because if this is Australia's root and this is Australia's rule and they actually care about public health, And if he's going to be, you know, this dangerous hazard about it, it's like, yo, like, just fucking get vaccinated. Like, (laughs) that's it.
0: Yeah, there were some interesting quotes on this from several other tennis players. You know, I mean, pretty much the sentiment was, look, the rules are the rules, right? Like, you knew the rules before you came here. Now you're making a stink about it. Um, Rafael Nadal said he's pretty tired about it. Uh, The Serbian Tennis Association they express disappointment and they are calling this political. I, I'm a little sick of that around COVID, not yeah. even just related to sports. It is not political. It is a public health issue, right? And if this is about public health for Australia, there could be to some degree saying that like, look, this was an, a moment for them. I could see that argument to capitalize politically that they're sort of quote unquote shaming. I don't really think it's shaming, but uh, some people are going to say that this top-ranked tennis star who doesn't want to get vaccinated, fine, it could be that. Or they could just be putting their foot down and saying, hey, these are the rules in our country. This is what we do. I'm fine with that. You don't like it, get up out of here, which is exactly what had to happen. He tried to fight it. They went through a, quote-unquote, democratic process. and They were like, no. Now, they're not making any exceptions for anybody else. He also tried to get a medical exemption because he had COVID (laughs) in the last six months. So he was trying to say that he had the antibodies to so get the medical exemption. Uh. People around us have also been trying to get uh, religious exemptions. And I believe Bomani Jones has pointed this out a lot of times too, which he makes a fantastic point on, which is that, yo, it's going to be hard to find the religious organization or leader of that that's going to put their name alongside that we don't believe in vaccines. But we're telling people not to take vaccines. That's not going to happen a lot because you know what? A lot of people up in these various churches no matter where it is, no matter what your faith is, no, they do have vaccines. They got the vaccine for polio. They got the vaccine for measles and mumps. So they're not going to say now, oh, we were cool with these other ones, but not this one. Because they know that's ridiculous. Like, they know it's actually ridiculous. They know. Do,
1: do you know off the top of your head the, the anti-vax Bible verse that these people are citing You know, no, in order to not get... The, like It doesn't
0: make sense. It doesn't make sense. They're just going to make something up. And, and Yoko which is going to do this. And look, I'm going to be blunt on this all sports should be doing this all countries should be doing this yeah like let's I, the people who want to shame Australia into this and saying they're making it political is not political if they truly cared about public health because I don't think what they're doing is going to gain them any political standing in their own country it seems to me like most of the people in Australia are on board with the limitations that are in place in terms of international travel in terms of that scene, man, it seems like they're fine with it. Can't have it's not And the they've handled country.
1: it better than us, period. Like, period. that's it. They've just handled Listen, it better than us.
0: Yeah, they're, they're on top of it. They've, they're not worried about protecting their freedoms, which the people who say that don't know anything about freedoms, they're not worried about that at all because they don't want to wear a mask or they don't want to get vaccinated. Um, not here to tell somebody what they should, but, like, if Jokovic, who's clearly been showing, this is my issue, that clearly he's been showing he lives his life, like he gives no dams about this virus, well, then, yeah. I understand why you're like, let's definitely keep this dude out of this tournament. I ain't shed no tears for no that joke. Rich, man. No, nah, like, me neither. You knew, you, knew, you knew what the rules are. That's it. Nobody's hating on you. You did it to yourself. Simple as that. Yeah. Now, speaking of hating, NBA, they were doing a little hating. And uh, Brian and I, this story is hilarious. NBA barred the Kings from playing cold as ice used when Russell Westbrook misses a shot. For nobody knows, Cold Ice, if you're a hip-hop fan, you know this was sampled from the Foreigners, that's a band, uh, 1977 track Cold as Ice. It was also sampled uh, in the M.O.P. song Cold as Ice, uh classics, classic song there. And yeah. so they were playing a little snippet of it every time Westbrook missed a shot. This was in the Lakers' recent loss. I think it was actually they played a back-to-back with them before they played with them. Um, on Thursday, the week before, he shot 2-14. So, you know, being honest, they had a lot of opportunities to play cold as ice. Um, and, you know, Westbrook's been struggling with a shot, and he did it. First, Before we get into the banning, Brian, first of all, I think this is great. I like anytime somebody can needle someone. Players, I like when good uh, social media accounts for teams do this. I think it's fun. It's part of the game, whatever. Like, I like this. You can't get super sensitive about it, but apparently the NBA uh, says that you can, and they now are not allowing the Kings to play this. What do you say to this? Because I think it's corny as hell.
1: You know what I think. If you think it's corny, then I think it's shit. I think it's offensive. I think that the loophole should be like, yo, all right, now we can't play play the foreigner version. Can we play the MLP version? Can we play the MLP version of the song instead? uh the MOP sample where it's a little sped up and has a hip-hop beat to it I mean this shit is corny I think that like yeah arenas you should be allowed uh, opposing teams you should be allowed to taunt the team that's in your you know in your building for the night it's a home field advantage and you know it's one of the only times that the Sacramento Kings could poke fun at the Los Angeles Lakers now and historically like it's one of the only times that they're able to do that so I think that yes you should be able to do this you are paid a lot of money to put up with a lot of shit and I don't think that I don't think that Russell Westbrook uh should be uh I I don't even think he was mad at it necessarily correct me if I'm wrong I think It he, doesn't
0: seem like it.
1: Yeah, I think he I found mean, his, he didn't react the way Devin Booker did when the fucking Toronto Raptors mascot was, you know, trying to distract him from making a free throw. The same Devin Booker who complained about getting double teamed in a scrimmage uh in a scrimmage not in like an NBA scrimmage but like in a just a regular street ball run like a, a scrimmage in the gym, who complained about getting double teamed saying, like, yo, we gotta work on our game. And it's like, yo, dude,
0: you gotta learn how to pass out of double teams. Yeah, like like <laughs> working on your game. Part of it is wanna learn how to pass out a double team. Yeah. Um his reaction to this, Westbrook. I wanted to pull it up before I brought up something else. Westbrook, I thought like he said, he said, That's funny. I hope they played that the last 14 years. It's funny they'll play it now. That's cute. Um yeah i mean he's uh, been cold
1: as ice a lot of the last 14 years uh more more uh, on a lot of different nights so he's just yeah. colder now because i mean look he's uh, we've we've done the math on this before he's maybe the worst three-point shooter ever by volume in terms of somebody who takes a lot of shots and just misses like a fuck ton of them. <laughs> like and that's just who he's been he's just you know he's had good seasons or not good from the three-point shooter standpoint he's had like you know average seasons and then he's had a lot of below average seasons and this year in particular it's a fun time to make fun of the lakers which a lot of people do and to be honest laker fans y'all kind of do this to yourself because y'all be getting on twitter spaces at the end of every game complaining about the state of the team the state of the roster whatever so it's quite fun to watch the implosion and i think that other nba teams should celebrate that because y'all are the Lakers. And uh, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot that comes with being the Lakers and you deserve to get made fun of if you're not living up to that Lakers lore and Lakers standard, especially on a team with LeBron James.
0: I agree. And when you shoot cold device, there's nothing wrong with somebody playing cold device. I, I just want to know who at the NBA was like not about this. Like Westbrook called the cute. He didn't seem that mad about it. it is what it is. And I didn't see Westbrook being that mad about it. But who like complained about it? Like They probably think.
1: Yeah, they probably maybe a Laker fan, I don't know. But they probably seriously think like, you know, it'll open Pandora's box, so to speak, and then, you know, all these you know, teams are gonna play all these different songs or whatever the case may okay. be. Like
0: Okay. How's how is that bad? Like I like think how, I think how I think, think that's terrible for the NBA.
1: What y'all should do is do it start doing it in different language, yo. Yeah? Different languages. Like when you have a really good defender on your team and they have uh they have like their opponent in jail, quote unquote, play El Preso, which means the prison. Uh which somebody is famous, somebody
0: somebody's gonna get sensitive about that too.
1: Famous Salsa song, you know what I'm saying? Like the, it sounds like a it sounds like one of these joyous see salsa could do this shit to you because the lyrics will be mad depressing, you just don't know what they mean, but the song will be jamming, you know what I'm saying? And people will be dancing to it. Like you can do shit like that.
0: I also I also just think Regarding Westbrook, like, it's also funny to play the song because, like, the lyrics to the song are, like, kind of funny to, to Westbrook, right? You know, the lyrics are, you're cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love, which Westbrook is not willing to sacrifice. Uh, you never take advice. So people say Westbrook has never changed. Yeah. Someday you'll pay the price. I know. <laughs> Interesting lyrics when yeah. you think about it around Westbrook. Look, NBA, I think, it's whack for this. Like, you don't, you don't need to do this. I think it'd be funny if people have stuff that's appropriate to play in terms of needling players. Like, if you don't like it, it's like anything else, man. Just shoot better. Stop, stop complaining. You don't, you don't. Have to complain about yeah, that. just
1: shoot better. At
0: the end of the day, then
1: you won't get made fun of. That's it. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty simple to me.
0: and each Backpack Broadcasting patron receives exclusive perks. Your support helps Backpack Broadcasting create more of the original content that you love. Visit Backpack Broadcasting's Patreon page and become a patron today. Interesting times in New York City, and New York State, I should say. You know why? Sports betting is now legal. <laughs> Brian's been talking about some sports betting. He does some work with FanDuel. He's been doing this for a while. I We've all talked about some sports betting. We did a show last year and they picked some props. I talk about uh, NBA vets on the NBA Exchange all the time. There's tons of sports betting show. I'll be involved in some more sports betting content coming up really soon. So this is the world we're in with this and where it's going. But it's taking over NYC. And of course, I'm not a big, I'm not a big, never been a big casino person. It's never really been my thing. If yeah. I would go to a casino, the last time I was in a casino, which is damn, it's been long ago. It's been almost six years since I've set foot into a casino. This was back in Arizona during the Super Bowl in 2015. We got Super Bowl 49. Uh, I was there. My boy, one of my homies is out there. And he liked to go out there, play a little blackjack. So he went out there It actually had a really good night. And I actually won about two of his bucks. How have, I,
1: how have I been in the casino more recently than you have? That's crazy. Wait, Brandon, you, I, you've been in the casino more recently than me? Resorts World Casino, Jamaica, Queens uh, in 2017. But that was for a boxing match, to be fair. Uh, I was there with our boy, Jeffrey Armstrong. We were covering a fight. And uh, yeah, it, it was... Wasn't a great card, but yo, we were in a casino, and so, I remember went downstairs, try to there's th- having food by the casino is uh you know
0: dangerous for a lot of people, but uh yeah, <laughs> you we <think> that, <laughs> listen the whole thing about casinos and gambling, it's it's there to make you feel comfortable. Right while you do these other things. Sure. Nice got casino, the
1: by the way. Resort yeah. Ro- nice casino,
0: man. Yeah, I've I've been inside <laughs> there before too. You got you got the you got the alcohol, you got food. This is any casino in America. You got to bring a food well, I was at this casino in Arizona, I'm forgetting what the name of it is. You know, we bring you food, had a little chicken club sandwich, had a couple glasses of wine, you know, playing a little blackjack's good time. The promoter of the
1: fight card was uh, Evander Holyfield, by the way, who was there. Yeah, uh, so it was. <laughs> gotcha. He was so, not fighting, thankfully. thankfully. He did late. He did years later, which we're not going to talk about. No, uh, nobody. He might be fighting
0: it. Mike Tyson coming up, actually. But yeah, yeah. And, and y'all, you, you boxing degenerates will watch it, and this is what makes. It Speaking of out. degenerates, are they're there going to be odds it. on that?
1: Yes, still will. <laughs>
0: because you people are going to watch it. Those people are going to bet on it. Hey. Uh, whatever. That's all. That's a whole, whole other story. But. I'm really, you know, like I said, recreationally, I'm, I'm not anti-gambling. i am obviously for gambling. I think people should be able to do recreationally. I think it's fun. Yeah. Obviously, we also support that people do it responsibly, which is hard for some people. I can see now with it being legalized and with everything being on these and for people not watching, holding up my phone, this is what makes it so easy. It's so accessible and dope, but it's scary for people who have addictive uh, behaviors that, 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 I, that I talk about. But it's here in New York, big market. Um, sports betting is growing. I spoke with somebody I know who works in sports betting about this. I'm still saying that a lot of people, just casual folks, are not enough in sports betting, it's still growing. And what we're seeing, you might think it's exploding, but it's still a very slow growth that can have more growth over the next couple of years. But still, a lot of casual people. But Brian and I, now, uh, not that we have been doing this illegally, I have not, I didn't have time to do that. You can now bet legally. Um, I choose to pretty much just keep it to the NBA. I might look at some futures and some other stuff. How has your sports betting experience been, Brian? Uh, because it's been a little up and down for me. A little bit good recently. Uh, hit on some stuff, but uh, how's it been for you?
1: A little more stressful than I probably uh, thought it would be. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna calm it down. But it's been, it's definitely been exciting. I'll tell you that. Uh, these parlays have not been my friend. I will say that much. I've only hit on one parlay and to be fair that one hit pretty big to where it made up for a lot of things and it, it has me as a as a pretty significant net positive uh, in this first week of the legalized uh, sports betting era because the stuff I would do prior would mostly be fantasy based right not as much in, in in this sort of realm but yo I got to say like it's been very enjoyable um, I could see like you how people can get like addicted to it because it's also so, like it's mobile sports betting, right? So it's right in your fingertips. You can just open the app, it's right there, easy to press. Um, you know what I mean? Like you have all these different things and it's so easy to just like wow, I can really put twenty-five down this parlay that's plus five hundred and win. Well, over a hundred dollars, like just like that. It's that, do you know what I mean? Like, I can see where people so you have to really know what you're doing as best as possible. Like, my advice to people is just stick to what you know, like how Dex says he mostly looks at NBA stuff. Um, you know, we talked about like you doing uh some EPL stuff because you follow that also. Like, for me, it's mainly gonna be NBA and uh combat sports. And stuff that I'm watching. Like, I put something down on the on uh, the playoff game yesterday. We're recording this on a Sunday. I put some down on uh, both games. I had uh, Raiders plus six, and they lost by seven, so didn't get that. Assholes. And then.
0: <laughs> so they, make, did it make, they make me mad already. They make me and mad then,
1: already. And then, that's a joke. And then uh, I had a parlay for the uh, last one. Thankfully, didn't put much on it. But, uh, you know, I was a Damian Harris touchdown away, as were many people, apparently, from uh, having a pretty good cash out. But thankfully, uh, the Kumpo and Bobby Portis took care of your boy on Thursday. So I'm looking to withdraw some of those funds directly to my bank account. I uh, hope the IRS is not listening to this podcast. And, uh, yeah, we're going to be on our way with that. Uh, hit, hit some good ones, though, you know, this week. And uh, I'm looking at it now. We'll see what happens moving forward. I definitely uh want to also say the Luca Doncic triple double that we that we got on a couple days ago. I don't know how that was as low as it was. I got it, you got it at I think plus four sixty. I got it at plus four forty. Should have put more money on that, but that was a nice little win. And uh, like you did some futures, but yeah, mostly sticking to NBA combat sports. And you know, I'm gonna be I'm gonna I dipped into the playoffs. Like I have a couple of parlays, I'll probably take a couple of spreads. And uh, I, I definitely put in, you know, multiple Super Bowl futures, but I also bet small, small, small amounts. I am Puerto Rican. I cannot stand <laughs> losing money, so I'm not somebody who's going to – like, it. for me to put 10 on something, I have to feel really good about it. Right? Yeah,
0: like, yeah, like, I, that. that's me. I have to feel really good about it. And I have my own – some strategies with NBA where you'll see me bet more aggressively on something. Than it is, and I have my percentages of what I won't go past in terms of betting. I'm never going to bet more than 20% of my bankroll. That's kind of my line. So for me. Yeah. I have like, yeah, not, I don't even mean that a one bet. I mean, total of what I will do in a day. Yes. Like, I have like this is the amount of percentage I will put of money. So I have my rules for what I do. I yeah. have one sports book that I'm making some smaller bets with, one sports book, because they give me all this bonus cash to start. Yeah, so when people who might be listening to other states, it's not legal yet. When you get this, it's a free for all. I knew this from my boy in Arizona, who when they were legalized back, I think that was October. Um, They give you all this free cash. There's one sports book. I have a lot of free cash, and I'm not mentioning these sports book names because they do not sponsor this podcast. Um, There is one uh, who gave a bunch of free cash, and um, I've been a little bit more aggressive on that one, not because there's more to burn, but just because more I put on futures, and some of my aggression on things that I thought was really good has paid off um i've enjoyed that brian actually because this is the thing brian and i will talk and we'll talk with some other friends and that's a good thing you have friends that'll share the information and brian will say oh look at this and check this out this is some pretty good odds might be something you want to jump on brian was the one who put me on to the leap triple double the other day i hit on that pretty big on one sports book i'd only put down like 13 bucks i had a nice return it was a plus 460 so that was good um hit on some other good stuff recently um, that I felt, I just kind of go with what I feel. Basketball is what I really know. Looking at matchups, I'm with Brian on that. I look at matchups. if I think there's something there. I enjoy some player props because that makes it fun. But what I will say to what Brian says, the thing I stay away from, it I am not doing. I just really am not going to do it. I haven't done one yet. I'm not a parlay guy. I'm just not a parlay guy. Like you're not parlay to me. Parlays to me are sucker bets. I, I most of them are sucker bets, right? Like and I'm not. You're not gonna catch me out here like this. So you're asking for. They two are fun, things.
1: though. I'm they're
0: <laughs> fun. You know why they're fun? Because it feels great when you hit. But a yes. lot of times you're gonna lose because the odds of getting all these things to happen and these the sports books know this. Getting all these things to happen are not that likely, right? Like really not that likely. Look what Brian said. He had all this stuff happening yesterday, and then, you know, was uh, who was it? Uh, the Patriots. I had, this was my part. Couldn't get this. you. Couldn't get you to parlay. I'd be plus, sick about that. I ain't got time for
1: that. It was plus 400 something. See, this is why I don't bet big amounts. It's it 400 you. something. I had Bill's money line. I had Stefan Diggs 50 or more receiving yards. He actually got 60 on only three catches. So thankfully, I didn't put much on that. And then the other thing was just a Damian Harris touchdown. And the David Damian Harris touchdown done. didn't come. And uh, yeah. That, you know, I had another parlay this week that I almost got. And this, this is the one that really pissed me off. Because I... I I know my shit when it comes to basketball. Even though, you know, NBA Twitter wouldn't acknowledge that because they have their favorites or whatever. But I'm not, you know, I'm not gonna touch on that today. Uh when it comes to like these parlays and shit, I had one Warriors Grizzlies. I had John Morant, uh 25 or more points. He got that, he got 29. Steph Curry over 26 and a half, he got 27. Kevon Looney. Six and a half. See? Took the over and he got six.
0: That's. Oh, look, oh my yo, God. But see, that's the thing. You had to look <laughs> at that parlay and say to yourself, yo, I think Jock could do it. I think there's a good chance Steph could do it because those numbers are right around their averages. But now my parlay comes down to me having faith in Kavan <laughs> Looney. Like, that's why I won't do the parlay. It was like. <laughs> I was talking, my, my man Jamoke Davis, we were talking about something early in the season. He took some leg of parlay, and the last thing that he needed to happen was, he needed was the NFL. He needed a Detroit Lions win. And I was like, what? Why are you trusting your parlay in the Detroit Lions? Like, I, that's why I can't do parlay. That's why, whatever the odds were in that, I don't know what it was. It probably was plus four something like or something. Like 500. Yeah, you know why? Because they know <laughs> it's not like the Kevon <laughs> Looney's going to get over six and a half points. He they has know six. It. They know it. They know it wasn't likely. They know it wasn't likely. I say, see the basketball stuff. I've been looking for the value. And I, I don't want to. I don't want to say a player because I've been hitting on a player getting over recently, and I don't want it. To, and he's been playing well, and I don't want these you know bucks to hear this, and they start adjusting it. It's not great odds, but I've been able to make a little bit of money off of that. You gotta look for the value. Can't be trusting in Kevon Looney. Now, listen, right. I'm not calling you a sucker. I'm just saying the parlays they suck you in. Because they know, oh, four hundred, four hundred and fifty. Maybe if I hit that, it'd be great. Now, I think you're playing it smart though, in terms of not putting as much money in those things. I think the suckers are the ones that like, yo, man, if I hit that, and I put twenty on that. Now, twenty might not be a lot for everybody. I'm not saying that. Twenty is the most I've put
1: for one single bet so far. Same here for me. Twenty is the most. So twenty is the most. And I, I, I might only do that once
0: a week, maybe, probably not. I don't. I did it all on a bunch of futures, uh, and yeah, I, yeah. So that's 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 really it. I I just that's me. I mean, I, I, maybe one day I'll see a parlay that I like that I really might think I want to take, but I haven't seen one yet, and I haven't been enticed to take one yet. So I stay away from the parlays. I'm, you're not catching me out here with with, with that. I mean, it's pretty if, much if game. The
1: parlays are fun. If if I win, here's the thing. If I'm going to
0: sound like a freaking addict here.
1: But if I win one parlay a week, I'll be straight. Here we you know go. Here we
0: go. Here we go, right? That's just like I can stop I'm not gonna do it I'm I going
1: to. I'm not going to do it too much because there's a lot of variables. And I will say this. I likely won't pick multiple team results in a parlay also, right? Like having the Detroit Lions as part of it is not something that I'm going to do. I can't do that now because the NFL reads. Like, I would mostly do it on like NBA, you know, this player for this many points, this player for this many rebounds, that kind of thing. The one that I hit was um, it was actually Bucks versus Warriors, the game that the Bucks killed the Warriors in. Yeah, I needed Giannis, I I needed Giannis thirteen, no, I needed Giannis twelve plus rebounds, thirty plus points. I think he actually got thirty and twelve, and I needed Bobby Portis fifteen plus points. He got twenty, and that was plus four forty seven. Hit on that one. See, that was was doing well.
0: That wasn't a bad one, especially if you thought the Bucks were going to win and play well. I did. if you felt that way, I see. that's a part of it. what was took. What are the odds on that? It was plus 447.
1: Well, Bobby I, Portis, 15 points. Giannis, 30 points. Giannis, 12 rebounds. See, and and I usually, that's the thing, too. I usually stick to just three things because then it gets too much. Too much.
0: We, we also know Brian believes in Bobby Portis more than the average person. And no, he's having I'm a great about, season. Hold on. I'm about to say <laughs> something good about Bobby Portis. <laughs> hold on. Bobby Porter has been having a fantastic season. Bobby Porter has played extremely well since last year and well into the well into the playoffs. Since leaving the, the, the mix, really. The, the difference, the difference with that parlay, and I just want to be clear about what I'm saying. As opposed <laughs> to the previous part I'm talking about, I trust more in Bobby Porter to get me 15 or more points than I do Kevon Looney. That's so the point. Seven?
1: Like, I need a seven on. from Looney. He got six. Here's the other here's another parlay That's that I missed. This was fun. Now that we're in this rabbit hole, right? Oh man, fucking PJ Tucker! See, look, so, it, so, it
0: burns you. It burns your soul.
1: <laughs> it
0: was plus three
1: eighty five. PJ Tucker, ten points. PJ Tucker, eight rebounds. He had ten points and seven rebounds after three quarters. The thing is, they were blowing out the Atlanta Hawks, and not even by that much. And Eric Spoelstra just rode his bench the last quarter of the game, so PJ Tucker couldn't get in and get that last rebound. Uh, I I only put a dollar on that, so it would have been three dollars and eighty five cents. But yo, I mean, I just took a chance on that one and got burned on that one. And the the PJ Tucker one and the Kavon Looney one those those are the ones that hurt.
0: I think my bad beat so far have been all on player props. I once had this was the first day I bet. First day. Oh, I the I R.J. RJ Barrett. First day I legally bet. I took RJ Barrett. I don't remember who they were playing. I literally can't remember who they were playing. The Knicks were playing. Took RJ Barrett over 19 points. Right. R.J. Barrett gets 19 points. He's stuck on 19. He's 19, 19, right? 19 and a half, right? 19 and a half. He's stuck on 19 points going into the fourth quarter. All he needs to do is hit me a free throw or, or jump it, anything. In the fourth quarter, R.J. Barrett takes six field goal attempts and misses all of them. And there were a couple times he should have got to the line and they get called whatever. The other night against uh, Brian's Miami Heat, and the Hawks, who have been struggling. I took I like John Collins with no ban in the air. I said, okay, John Collins can get me over 16 and a half points. What does John Collins finish with? 16 points. Yeah. Including a play where he got fouled at the end and should have went to the line. I got to say,
1: the odds makers have done a great job of setting these odds. They, they, do, they, they, those motherfuckers know, son.
0: No, like, they, they knew.
1: They, 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 they're like, yo, Kavon Looney. You yeah, know, let's put it right at six and a half. Like I like like people, people, people get on uh Bill Simmons for a bunch of different reasons or whatever the case may be. But uh, I one of the things that I really enjoy because I do listen to this pod uh sometimes. One of the things I do really enjoy that he does is uh the guest the line shit with Peter Schrager when they do it around NFL games because that's something that's fun to play along with. I think we should probably do that with uh, NBA games during the playoffs and stuff like that or certain over under bets or whatever. But like yo, well, I'm t- it's. It's a lot of fun, um, you know what I'm saying? Just uh, just do it responsibly, people. And, again, stick to what you know. And uh, I – look, after what the Bills did yesterday, I might have to look at them for a Super Bowl future because right now I have, I have what I'm actually – I bet what I'm rooting for also, just for fun. So, like, I have a very small amount on Titans-Rams in the event that Derrick Henry and that defense can get the Titans, you know, to the uh, NFL um, – to the Super Bowl – uh, a lot of people don't believe in Titans or whatever the case may be, and I'm not saying I do, but look, I love the odds. It was plus 2100 when I saw it. <laughs> hey,
0: I am have to jump on that. Anytime I can bet on the Henry, I'm fine with that.
1: Ch- that's, a, that's a fact. A, a D Henry at that. A D Henry um, too,
0: yes.
1: Chiefs Rams was plus 1400 when I jumped on that for a Super Bowl future, and that's the one that I think like may actually have the best chance to have. I you. threw some the favorite right now, The favorite right now is Chiefs uh, Packers, which I got at plus 60. So I got I very small that. amounts on all, all the I threw problems.
0: some dollars on the Chiefs winning it all. I think they will. Um, I think they will. Yeah, I think they're going to win it all. We'll I don't see. know. I, I, I don't touch too much NFL. It's going to be heavy basketball for me. Yep, me I've, so done, cool. I've done some baseball futures. I've actually thrown some money on the Mets. Uh, Yo, I haven't good thought about that yet. Like, Fights coming up. UFC fights, next week. Bo- bo- boxing. Which which we talk a lot about. I and we talked about betting around that. I will put some money on boxing. I'll look at that. But look, sports betting taking over New York City, New York State, taking over the country. It is growing. Please do it responsibly. I think it's in the sports world. There's no way you cannot talk about this stuff now. My concern with all of it, if there is a slight concern, is that how are we going to stay on top of information? Information getting out for people on time to make the right decisions on bets and knowing it. And that's, that's going to be interesting to see, but we'll have our eye on sports betting and talk more about it on this podcast. A little bit of hip-hop. We some new music come out recently on Friday. Joey Badass. We've been waiting for some stuff for a while for him. And, you know, shout-out to Joey Badass. He's doing a lot in the world of acting. Last time we had it, I think about a year ago, we had Static Selector up on here, and he was talking about he didn't know what was going on with Joey's album. He's always changing. He's working on it. He talked about his work ethic. So... You know, we know Joey's working on some things, but Joey released a new single, The Revenge, uh, with an interesting spelling, the second E as a Greek. Um And we, if you've been paying attention, he had performed this song at, what was the concert festival at City Field? Uh, Brian, that was in like, I forget it. was August, September?
1: I, I don't remember, but I, it was this past summer. Was it yeah. Was it around U.S. Open time? Maybe.
0: I, don't I think know. it was. I don't Joey know if it was per- Relation. <laughs> yeah, Joey performed it. And there was a snippet of it out. It which I was like, yo, Brian, I heard it sounds really good. This is the song, The Revenge. Uh, really good, bouncy, up-tempo song. You know, kind of talking about people, you know, coming back to get people who doubted on him, which i totally late to now, and I know Brian can as well. Um, as some motivation music. Really good song. I like it. It's fun. Like I said, bouncy. Uh, you know, one verse, but, like, just a really fun song. What do you think of it?
1: I hope... One, I really like the song. Two, I could see it, like I texted you, as the second song on an album, something that comes after your intro and before whatever else comes, because this is something that should definitely, like, if you're going to put it on your album, it should be really early in the track list if you're sequencing it, in my opinion. Um, but for me, you know, I, I liked it. I thought it was pretty short, but that's sort of the era that we're in now. A lot of two-minute songs is uh the norm. I think you could have used another verse on it, and that would have been cool. But, you know, got to play the algorithms, I suppose. I I think that you know I'm I'm super excited for Joey Badass's album whenever that drops because his last full length project All American Badass in 2017 was my album of the year that year and I think it's you know it's his best body of work so far and I think that's something that he can really elevate from even though it was that that great I am very much looking forward to it I also want to say like while I do like the song I don't want a whole album of these. So I'm hoping that like we get like sort of the classic Joey Badass sound. I don't want like all the songs to be like in this sort of a uh, sound or whatever. Like that, I'm you not will. expecting that necessarily. Yeah, I don't think so. No, right. like I'm not like you know it wasn't like All American Badass was a whole bunch of devastators, right? Right, which is song think, I really liked. Right, and I think those songs are very good individually. I think that it can get like tiresome if the whole album is sounding like that. But I'm not expecting that anyway. So yeah, um, and Static Select is working on an album. <laughs> you know, or working on an album in whatever capacity with Joey Badass, yeah, I wouldn't expect it to sound like a revenge over and over. So yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it. It's it's great for what it is, and I hope that that album comes this year. That's one of the that's one of the things that I'm most looking forward to in hip hop this year. Is if it, you know, it's right, it's right behind Kendrick for me. The albums that I'm most looking forward to for, oh, yeah. for 2022.
0: Oh yeah, I'm I'm with you on all, on all that. Um, and I they both
1: last that- dropped in 2017.
0: Yeah, I think he'll drop a good album sounds focused sounds hungry um a treat to see but that was the only thing that dropped on Friday there was other things uh Corday dropped a sophomore album from a bird's eye view uh that was the LP he dropped uh I listened to it I listened to it twice uh really I, I liked it I enjoyed it and and one thing I think is always nice to see with an artist is the growth um I think there was some growth from Corday on this album in terms of song making. Brian got me to listen to his first album uh, a few years ago. I actually remember it was like, I listened to it right before we recorded a podcast a day going into the old Gotham podcast studio. I listened to it and I thought, I said, yo, he can rap. Um, he, you know, I still think there was some work he needs to do on some song making. I think it's been cleaned up here. I like the production on this album a lot. Um, I like some of the subject matter. We're talking about him dealing with, with fame and family and, you know, loss of friends or, on, on this. You know, it's a 12-track album, 14 if you count the two bonus tracks. Uh, there's really only two songs I found that I didn't really care for uh, that much. But other stuff on here is really, really, really good. Uh, Brian, what did you think about this? Corday, from A Bird's Eye View.
1: Yeah, I like Corday a lot. He's one of my favorite uh, current artists right now and definitely one of my favorites from sort of this, I guess you want to call it a younger generation because I think he's only 24. Um and it's with Naomi Osaka, uh, which I think also has to be noted because that's been a power couple that's been going for a few years now. So shout out to them. Um, it also makes me think of, you know, when he mentioned certain bars. But, you know, that's neither here or there. The album I thought was really good. Um, it's my haha <laughs> album of the year so far. We're in January. Uh, tracks two to five I thought were very strong. John, uh, John, Michelle, John Michael, John, Michelle, John, Michelle. Um, yeah, John Michelle, a uh, super,
0: mama's hood, want from me. I, th- is- I, I, I do agree that's the best part of the album. Yeah. I would like to know there two to five. I think it's a great part of the album, and super is really good. Fun, all those songs are really good.
1: Really yeah, Re- There's the a couple of my favorite songs on the album are on here. He's very good at just this sort of concise introspection. Like he doesn't he doesn't do it in like one six minute song, one five minute song. And I think there's a place for that when it comes to certain artists. My verse yeah. year last year was a seven minute verse, but like, I think Cordae does a good job of spreading it out throughout the album and sticking to a theme really. Right. I think Mm -hmm. he's really good at that. It sounds like an extension of the Lost Boy, um, which was a top 10 album for me that came out in 2019 Uh, track six uh, with Gunna. I'm good. Um, You know, (laughs) that's, that's sort of my first skip on that one. Uh, You know, I mean, y'all love Gunna and I don't, so we can leave it there. Coach Carter, I think, was my favorite track uh, so far in my first two listens, uh, which was next, not including the skips. Coach Carter was, I thought, like the song that I came back to a couple different times. And on my second listen, I stopped and replayed it a couple different times. Like, it's a song that I'm really feeling right now. Uh, Sinister featuring Lil Wayne. I mean, it's cool. I also think we're kind of just letting Lil Wayne slide for taking a photo with 45 a couple years ago. But, you know, that's neither here nor there, I suppose. Uh, we've really let that motherfucker slide. I think fucking B-Dot had him as his artist, a rapper of the year last year or some shit, which we talked about on the, you know, complex brackets. We were texting about that one time. Uh, Chronicles mm-hmm. featuring her and Lil Durk. Love her on this. Lil Durk, who I generally like, um, you know, in terms of his features, at
0: least, didn't feel like I needed him here. But, yeah, same uh, here. I, I I don't this was a song I think it can grow on me, but I'm just kind of like hey.
1: Her kills it. Yeah. her kills it here. So I, I do like this song. Champagne Glasses featured Freddie Gibbs and Stevie Wonder. Uh I thought it was fantastic. Gibbs killed his eight bars. Dex You Broke to Me, because I, I was I fell asleep on this. Nas apparently was supposed to be on this song with Freddie yep. Gibbs,
0: Corday, yep. and Stevie Wonder. Yep, and did not and did not and did not get it. We get a little harmonica playing from Stevie Wonder. The yeah. great, legendary Stevie Wonder at the end of the song. Um, yeah, no, Nas was disappointed. I was listening, I listened, I was like, wait, did I get this wrong? And now was supposed to be in another song, but I looked it up at the initial track. This, and so now was supposed to be in the song. This did not happen. That would not have been the first time him, Gangsta Gibbs, uh, and Corday had been on the song together. They were on Life is at the Dice Game that was released uh, in about the middle of 2021. Uh, so you thought another one was coming here. And I like this song. I think you we were going into this fine. I love the production on this. Against Stevie Wonder and do the harmonica at the end. Like, look, I have to think Stevie Wonder is not the kind of person that just hops on anybody's thing, even if you ask him to play the harmonica. Remember, you got to understand how talented Stevie Wonder is and all the instruments he can play, besides also singing the songwriting, which yeah. he's amazing at. I'm a Stevie Wonder fan. Um, but yeah, for him to hop on and do the harmonica, he got to really mess with you. So, salute to Cordae to get Stevie Wonder.
1: Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> Westlake High which is funny because he actually talks about doing a song with Nas on here um, and talks about kind of where he is. I think it's a great song to just end disc one and I think really end the album because the last two records, which is disc two, really feel like spicy to me on Kings of Seas. Yeah, they're bonus bonus tracks. Yeah, they're bonus tracks. They're part of the album, but not really. They're extensions of the album, whatever. So, you know, um, one of those songs, by the way, is, Uh, I'm probably not really going to go back to it like that. The Gifted one with Roddy Rich and Aunt Clemens. uh, That's, you know, I'm cool. And then uh, Parables featuring Eminem. I think it's a good record. And, you know, Eminem uh, could be very, very, very hit or miss these days. But uh, I think it was fine there uh, in Parables. So, you know, shout out to Corday. I think it's a really strong album. Um, You know, we talk about albums that we may talk about at the end of the year, and it's too early for that, and nothing's come out yet. But look, very enjoyable listen. I just hope that people remember it as the year progresses uh, because yeah, that, you came out with it so early yeah. in January. <laughs>
0: that can happen when albums are dropping in January, for sure. It definitely can happen when albums. But yeah, I, I'm with Brian and all that. Salute to Corday. Solid, very solid album. If you haven't listened to that one, go take a listen. One time for your mind, one time. One time for your mind, one time. All right, one time for your mind. We got some interesting stuff to talk about this week. Interesting enough for Brian and I. One Time for Your Mind, a lot of this is going to happen with things that are going on in New York. Uh, We talked about the sports betting. Brian has something about COVID, which you seem to talk about a lot on One Time for Your Mind, just in different ways. We already talked about COVID on this episode with Novak Djokovic um, as well. And I also have uh, going to be talking about uh, a new law that can impact you when you are applying for jobs, which I think Brian's going to be happy about. I know I'm happy about it. I've heard
1: about this, and I'm glad you're talking about it. I can't yeah, wait. yeah,
0: I'm Glad to talk about it. All right, Brian, talk, talk to me about what you got to say about COVID.
1: So a few days ago at the time of recording this, really uh, shortly after we released our last episode, a bunch of kids around, I don't remember how many it was. I, I've read like, you know, different numbers. 200 seems to be the common one that was like going back and forth. But a lot of students uh, walked out of Brooklyn Tech In a protest of the school's uh, COVID protocols or lack thereof, and there were a lot of stories about this. I don't want this to come and go, so I feel like it's uh, necessary to talk about this. And and in the daily news that I'm a daily news story, I'm looking at it here. It's estimated that 600 kids, uh, you know, poured into 18 degree temperatures, as they called it, uh, to call attention to what they described as an unsafe, chaotic environment at their school with the ongoing viral surge driven by the highly contagious Omicron variant. Now, you got to remember, the kids are back in schools, in a lot of different areas. Dex, you could lend your voice to this because uh, you, as the parent on the podcast, uh, you have a daughter that's in school. Um, and right now, it's just a bad situation for everybody. Like we talk about, you know, from a workplace perspective, how dangerous this has been to just sort of send people back to work. And this is how the virus continues to spread, et cetera, et cetera. The kids are not absolved here. Like they also have to go back into school by these rules. And I like that these kids from Brooklyn Tech just said, fuck it. Like we're not gonna do that. And it's something that goes back to what I always say. The strength and numbers thing is very real. Like when it comes to corporations, when it comes to economy and all this sort of stuff, like yes, there are people who make who are in power, quote unquote, make these decisions, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But they ain't shit without y'all. They can't make certain, they can't make their businesses run without people to make their business run. They're not going to do anything without the working class people or in this equation students. Like what is a school without its students? What is a business without its workers? So if you're able to band together and stage these sort of walkouts and stick to your guns and really have a uniform opinion on something, and act on it. Then yeah, you're able to create change. And that's sort of that that's sort of where we are as a country. That this embodies in so many ways where we are as a country. Where it's like, yo, if we can stick together societally and, you know, execute certain things and you know get certain things that we want, if we're able to stick together on these fronts, then yeah, it's like then things are going to happen. It's just like that's just how it goes because you're not gonna wait for somebody else to legislate this and do that. It's like at some level, you just have to act yourself. And I like that they do this. And I hope that more people follow suit in various different ways. Um, I don't want to go too long on this. There are a lot more details. You can read a lot of different stories on this. Dex, I want you to take it from here because there's a, a lot that you can probably tie in personally here, being a parent, being a Brooklyn native. And this is a school that we're both familiar with, but you especially.
0: Yeah, uh, Brooklyn Tech, we want to know, it is a specialized high school in New York City, one of the best schools in New York City, a public school in New York City. Uh, it is a school that is a very large school. It is the largest public school in New York City. It is eight floors, over 6,000 students in the school. So there also, if you look at Twitter, there's been some pictures floating around of students in the hallways. The hallways in Brooklyn Tech can get really crowded. The hallways in most New York City high schools, public high schools, can get really crowded. I went to a school, a high school that has a third of the students. And half the floors, right? And it can get pretty crowded, right? It's over 2,000 kids uh in my alma mater Claire Bar High School. Public health and public safety, public health, excuse me, public safety is a major concern for a lot of these students in New York City public schools. And quite frankly, New York City public schools and the city hasn't really done enough, in my opinion, since the start of the pandemic to protect uh, these students. It's the reason why as a parent start uh, started the last school year not this one. And my daughter was starting pre-kindergarten or the public school. She did remote learning because uh, we just didn't feel there was enough in place and there was no vaccine. Um, with that I have friends multiple friends who are teachers in the New York City public school system including one who's a Brooklyn Tech alum who I talked to about this and told me she absolutely stood with the, with the students and what they did and thought it was right. Uh, we saw in Chicago, this should also be noted, in Chicago, the teachers, Union uh, Day, they, they basically are on strike. They were like, yo, we're not going up to these schools anymore because it's not safe We're not protected. There isn't enough testing. I think that's the thing we got to talk about more with COVID. There has to be more testing. From what I hear, private schools are doing this uh, a little bit more testing. But parents who have their kids in public schools are pulling their kids out because there's lack of testing. There needs to be more testing for kids, more testing for, for your students especially when you have things like the Omicron variant uh, ramping up and going about. We're going to be dealing with this for some time, but there are going to be some variants that are going to sprout up and have weeks and periods where numbers are going to increase. But this can be better if we test more, if the we wear their masks as to, and more people get vaccinated. But until those things happen, which they haven't yet, this is why teachers, students and parents don't feel safe, and it's a problem. And I support these kids for taking a stand in what Brian said and exercising their power because you can't have a school without students. Brian is absolutely right on this whatsoever. Now, will the powers that be listen to them? I don't know. I think it matters that it comes from one of the highly regarded and best public schools in New York City. I think that matters to some degree. But here's what matters more. I think is what Brian says. Strength in numbers. What are other schools going to do? What are other public particularly public schools, but the private schools have had some testing. They have a little bit more resources. And they know the parents there are like, look, we're paying for this. So y'all better be on your stuff. Other public school students, particularly in even lower income neighborhoods, where they seem to have not cared about, this needs to happen more. They to see more teachers walking out. Because teachers are the one, even more than the students, in my opinion, that hold the real power. If you ain't got them, who's teaching the students? So if the teachers and administration walk out and say, yo, we're not dealing with this, we don't feel it's safe. And this is a legitimate concern. And I've talked to several teachers. This is not one or two. I've talked about four or five people who have taught in public school systems or currently teaching they have concerns. So it's about people taking the power and saying no and then seeing what people react. If people demand more testing, if people demand more vaccination requirements, then we can have a healthier society. But until then, it's not going to happen. If we ain't going to take care of the kids, Brian, who are we taking care of? If we're not giving a damn about the kids... Who are we taking care of? So if you think this is too much or whatever, I mean, you don't care. But this is about caring about your fellow man. Whether you have kids or you're not, it's about us all. Public health matters, man. It matters. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. And the only thing I will add is like, yeah, <clears throat> and you, you alluded to this too. If we're not going to get vaccinated, we are going to keep having variants and we're going to keep dealing with this shit and we're going to keep being in the cycle for I don't even want to think about how long so if we don't get our shit together and really take a seriously serious look at this and try to control it to the best of our abilities and not worry so much about keeping the economy running there's this fucking country prints money anyway then yeah we should be able to like we should be able to be okay if we're able to do the right things and overcoming this but I don't know if we are because we doesn't seem like we're going that way so look you have to stand up to power, man. That's really it. In Whatever industry you're in, you don't like what the fuck is going on, uh, do something about it. That's really all I gotta say.
0: Yeah, you gotta be part of that change, and hopefully people take this seriously. Uh, before we get up out of here, for my one time for your mind, also affects NYC, and we hope that this happens in other places. There will be uh, NYC as a law to mandate salary transparency. And will this work? There's this great uh, article. Um, And it was also a little bit of a podcast. NPR's Adrian Floridi, I encourage people to check it out, spoke with economist Teresa Gilharducci uh, about a bill that was passed by New York City. Uh, I believe this happened, uh, it it happened a couple months ago that it was passed, but the law is set to take effect in April. And it's a bill that will require private employers to post the salary range for all open jobs. Now, let me be clear on something here. Brian knows this too. One of the things that irks me. There's a lot of things you say that irk me at times. One of the things that really irks me is when you apply for a job and it's like there's no salary listed or no salary range listed. It's annoying. You know why? Because I could be wasting my time applying for this job. Y'all can't even pay me what I believe that I deserve, right? Or right? If they can't afford you. You might be that might be a little bit out of your range. It's just cool that you should know. I'll never understand from the employer side why they wouldn't want to just post it out there so they can weed out and not waste their time with people that's not qualified to either get the money in the range or offer. it. But they don't. They withhold this information and it's really annoying. What ends up happening, and Brian, you know I'm right on this, you end up getting into these interviews and you talk about all this stuff in the job and they, of course in interviews they ask you, hey, do you have any questions? I always say one of the questions should be like, if you do not have the information, what are y'all paying? What can you pay me, Right. Here's my other frustration that happens. I think this happens for a lot of people. You're in the interview and they say, oh, they, they decide to bring up salary. So you're like, okay, they might be being proactive. And they're like, um, so what, do you, what is your salary range? No, no, no. It doesn't matter what my salary range is. And this is, this is a tip for people to tell them. If somebody hits you up with the, what's your salary range? Don't get your salary range. He, <laughs> he or she who gives the salary range first loses don't do that. You don't have to do that at all. What you should do is you have a nice professional response. You don't have to be like, well, what you pay?" paying? That's what you want to say, but you can't say that. So what you got to say is, well, I have not been able to find out because this is really what I look at whenever I apply for any job. Okay, what's the salary range expected for this position? And sometimes you can't find that information, but sometimes positions are new. Sometimes things are new in different industries, especially what we do in media, and say, well, can you tell me what the average salary range or the median salary range is for this position uh, that you're offering? And if they can't tell you that, I mean, I hate to say it, yo, know, they're kind of full shit, but that's really what it is, right? But you got to put it back on them. However, this shouldn't even occur. This shouldn't happen. None of this should happen. We should all go into the job interview, knowing exactly what the range is, if it's negotiable, if you can ask for even more. So you can say what you're and say, hey, I believe I should get more. You should always ask more. Brian and I know, because we've got plenty of conversations about this. But this shouldn't happen. This is a this is annoying for a lot of people. This affects a lot of people. And what I thought was fascinating about this economist, Teresa Gilharducci, what she talked about, she talked about, will this help inequities, right? Because when you don't have salary transparency, there are wage gap inequities that exist for particularly for women a lot of the time. The particularly exists for people of color, right? And we all know the salaries in a lot of jobs are typically favored white men, overwhelmingly. But now having this, Teresa of gilhar says she believes that we will see some gaps in terms of things uh, for for women, but she says maybe it will be a lot slower for minorities. She says she does think it will occur, but it will take some time, right? And so you need this transparency. This is a good thing. I want to see it no more. And when we know this is supposed to uh take effect in April, if you see any employees doing this, call them out. Call them out. There, there there's a bill of law that says you can't do this anymore. This should this should this should be nationwide. Let's be honest about this. This should occur nationwide. Nobody should have to go through this. You should know exactly what it is that you're paying for or what you're trying to get when you get when you're going for it. Like nobody goes in to buy a car and doesn't know like what the range is for the sticker price on the car. You can find that out easily. Uh, yet I can't find that out for a job? That's ridiculous. Glad somebody's having this come to an end. Shame on you, all the employers out there who haven't been posting because you want to keep the salaries down so people can get less they're worth because you're hoping that when you come in and you tell them whatever the job is, they'll just take anything. And this kind of goes to Brian's point for his story, right? You can't just take anything. You have to ask the right questions. You have to demand the right questions. If somebody isn't giving what, you, what you're worth, you can say no. I'll say this real quick. I had a job interview last year. In which a company interviewed me, uh, and they asked me what my salary requirements were. And this was before I had the sensibilities to tell you listeners what I just said, and which was put it back on them. I didn't do that, and that was a mistake. Look, and I told them what my salary requirement was, and they ended up coming back to me saying that my salary requirement was too much. To which I was like, you didn't even tell me what you were paying for the job. How was it too much? Generally, what they did is they went went and hired somebody who was probably younger and cheaper. They just didn't want to pay for what the job was required to pay. And that's fine. That's their prerogative. But be straight up about what it is that you're offering. So I don't have to waste my time on an interview talking about a job that I'm not even going to take. That's all I got to say.
1: Yeah, I don't have much to add because I think you knocked it out of the park. Obviously, I'm excited for this. I also dread how companies are going to find loopholes around this and not necessarily not putting the salary there, but like, they're probably going to undercut the framing of what a job is and put a low salary lower than it should be oftentimes. And then the person is going to try to negotiate higher and then they're going to be like, well, this is our range, right? So I think there's going to be some of that also on the other side of this. But I do think generally, like, it's going Mm -hmm. to give some clarity. Um, And, you know, again, it's the same thing we often say. The good companies figure it out and handle it well. And the shitty ones are not. And that's just going to be where we are, because the good companies they're going to put they're going to put it they're going to list it. It's probably going to be a fair range. I think that there are some companies that do a good job of this. Like you see certain things that's probably you know ninety to hundred grand worth of work, and that's their range. And then you see other companies where it's not quite the same. It'll be the same title, same workload, and it'll be sixty to seventy or shit. To the point of all this, they might not even have the listing there. Whatever the salary range is, I
0: can I can say this that I cannot remember. This is sad. The last job that I applied for, where I knew what the range of the job was. There's been some jobs where I found out what the range is through different methods. And something that happens to let people behind the curtain in media is, especially when you do stuff on camera on air, a lot of that information never comes out to the public. For people, it'll go directly to agents. They'll know the range, and that's how you'll know it. But if you're just applying for a on-camera position or something on your own, you won't know it unless you know somebody on the inside to tell you that.
1: So and, nor- and normally they don't even list those positions. Normally it'll just sometimes be like, you'll never even see those positions. Right, which happens it, too. It'll be like it'll be like you need an agent to just figure out what's going on at Company X, Company Y, Z, whatever the case may be. They find out because it's their job. And then they'll get back to you on what their situation is. It's not like they don't post. Listen. There's not a lot of postings for on-air talent, for multimedia content. Like, there's not a lot of they postings. They might have
0: it, and they won't post it. But I'll tell you what. I've seen I've seen it because I've witnessed this. They will have the exact same job listing. And, oh, it's interesting how they were able to put the salary range there, but they did it on the same exact posting that they put on LinkedIn or Indeed or whatever. And it's like it, 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 it keeps... It keeps a lot of people from knowing and wasting their time. I, I just always will believe that putting the salary posting is beneficial for both sides. It, it stops both people from wasting any time. Yep. That's what you should want. Your job applying process should be efficient. And to be honest, when I don't see salary postings, it doesn't mean I haven't applied for it anyway, but it is kind of a turn off. And look, at least in New York, when try to stop it, Brian brings up a good point. Will people try to get around it? It's America. People always try it. to find leagos around stuff. Like this is this is what happens. They will no. try to do it. But what you can do, it goes back to what I'm saying, is what you can do is to hold people accountable. You don't have to cave in, you don't have to give people an answer for salary range. They're trying to get you. They're trying to either hire you and see if you work in. And you're trying to see if they can pay you what you're worth. You don't have to give up the information before they do. It's on them to give up the information.
1: Yeah, right. and, and and if they don't and if they don't want you that bad enough, like if they're trying to dance around it or whatever, then you know you don't want to work there anymore.
0: That's not the place you need to work. That is a, that is one hundred percent a great point. Well, this episode worked, number two hundred eight of the Ain't Hard to Tell podcast. We talked about a lot of stuff here. Please continue to support us. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at ahtt podcast. You know how to support us in the great content from Backpack Broadcasting via Patreon. Just a little donation. Your dollars can help. People are tipping for other things out there that are complete BS. Tip to some good content. You can actually do that. And also, thank you to our patrons who consistently support us. We appreciate you for that. Also, be sure to check out our partnership with picks All you got to do is use the code NBA2, not NBA, E-X, AHTT podcast. Use that code, and it'll match your first deposit up to $100. You can do that today prospects code 8HTT podcast. Do that. So, for Brian Fonseca, I'm Dexter Henry. Until next time, y'all. Peace.